are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. I am well. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to finally get to meet with you. I know. I appreciate your flexibility. I know we tried to do this before. Yes. I had a few things going on that I was trying to juggle, and, and um, you were gracious enough to say, yeah, let's let's reschedule. So thank you. Well, and I'm sorry I had to reschedule, too. I had a really sick kiddo, and I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to get her to the doctor first thing in the morning, and yeah. I knew I was going to be up all night long. So That is, that is highly important, and I yes. feel your pain because we have some kind of crud going around our house right uh, now. And now how, you had a new baby, right? Isn't that yes. what happened when we had, for the first time? Yeah, the first time we we were, uh, I think we were maybe a week or two uh, home with her. And um, yeah, you know, going from two to three, everybody tells you, hey, that's an adjustment. <laughs> yeah. But it's like like when you initially have a kid, they're like, hey, it's, it's going to change your life. But nobody can really tell you <laughs> how that's going to change your life. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome and it does get easier, but boy, three was hard for us too. Yeah. Now, like, do you, you have three or you? I have four. Four. Okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I'm hoping we're done, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I said two, we negotiated three and we had a surprise four. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they're such a blessing. How old are your other two? Uh, four and two. Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're right back <laughs> two years apart or whatever. One of them. Oh gosh. They're, uh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it is awesome. I, yeah. There's a guy that I work with, uh, or a couple guys that I work with, a couple of them have newborns too, like within the six, eight month range. And mm -hmm. then uh, one guy who doesn't have kids. So when us new, new dads get together, we're telling about all these, you know, I got two hours of sleep last night and, you know, got home and everybody was crying, you know, uh -oh. like, Hey guys, that sounds really exciting. I really want to have some kids now, you know, like, yeah, yeah but <laughs> you're hearing this part, but you're not hearing us talk about yeah. uh, when they just come grab you for no reason and hug yeah. you. I love you. you just exactly. Oh, uh, there's nothing better than being a parent. So all the hard work is always worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's emotions in that body that you have not tapped into yet. Uh, you want until you have kids, you know. For sure, for sure. Um, I wanted to talk to you because more specifically because I've got a girl in my mastermind who uh, made this comment, and I know you're focused on empowering women, right? And, and you know, I think you've even got a couple of domains about uh, was it REI girl or REI yeah. like a girl. Yeah, I do a yeah. women's meetup group called Ari. I like a girl here locally. Yeah, and um, so the girl in my mastermind group was talking about how she's been going to all these meetups, and it's primarily men. Mm -hmm. and that um, <laughs> she's like, there's got to be some. So in the end, I want to make sure we touch on that, but uh, sure. I think it, it'd be a good connection for you guys to have. She's in South Florida, and you're in Hershey. I'm in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. Right, so yes. it, where chocolate's made. That's right. It smells oh, good. It looks man. good. It's I a would nice be little so place. Fat if I lived there. <laughs> Where I imagine do you live? I'm in uh, uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah. I'm from Texas, so I like your okay. southern accent. <laughs> Thank you. South. I was she's raised... beautiful, but it's cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I imagine so. It's uh, I lived, uh, grew up in Alabama, so that's oh, did where you? Most of the comes from. It also comes from sleep deprivation, yeah. and not having enough coffee. So, oh gosh. Um, I know. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I've never lived farther north than, um, than northeast Alabama. We mm -hmm. moved to Florida about 10 years ago thinking we were going to go to a warmer climate. Now you're yeah. going to joke. <laughs> I mean, you're going to laugh about that. I knew you're going to laugh about that. Uh, but what we discovered was, uh, now we do have the beach like 15 minutes away. So, so nice. Nice. But um, we discovered that it's really only about a 10 degree difference mm -hmm. where we came from versus where because everybody thinks oh it's sunny florida it's always hot it's always warm now we we get 30 day you know 30 degree days too right Nothing like pennsylvania though oh like that, yes. I'm, sure. I'm still um, not used to it and i hate cold weather so <laughs> me too <laughs> uh, well, well so what took you to, to pennsylvania so my husband's from here Okay. And um, when we were dating, he moved to Texas for seven years. And I said, yeah. give me seven years to have a couple babies near my family. And then when he's done paying off all his um, business debt, then we'd come here to start his practice. So he's a chiropractor. And we moved here 12 years ago to start his business. So. <laughs> I, I love chiropractors. I don't, you know, um, there's something about, and this is going to sound, this may sound bad, but the simplicity of how they treat people. Right. It makes total sense. You know, right. um, I, matter of fact, uh, I need to go see mine again. <laughs> yeah, me too. I told him yesterday, I haven't seen you in a month. <laughs> I woke up yesterday morning with a little, like I've got some yeah. nerve issues on this side. And um, I woke up yesterday morning. I was like, okay, I need to go get on uh, her schedule. Yes. And because uh, she's about to be out for having a baby. And I'm like, oh, I got yeah. to get there. To, <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> but um, I love them. Um, that's awesome. All right. So let's dive into this. You want to? Awesome. Okay. Let's do it. So one of the things about the W2 Capitalist, at least why I started the, the group, uh, I like to call it a movement sometimes because I think it does move people to take action, right? Mm -hmm. is, is I, when I started this on my venture to build wealth, right? It was, I've got to climb the corporate ladder. And that was it. That was where my focus mm -hmm. was. And then we stumbled into real estate investing. And, you know, quite frankly, the W2 is the engine that allows us to invest in real estate the way that right. we do. Um, and I think there's a place for both, right? There is, uh, and that's why the group's there, right? Don't think there's plenty of groups that are focused on financial independence, uh, retire early, you know, the fire movement. Uh, and you uh, just recently were able to quit your W-2 job. As That's I right. I'm so excited. It's been about six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to dive into that, right? Because mm -hmm. if um, somebody comes into the group, they're like, well, my desire is to quit my W-2. I was like, okay, well, this group's probably not for you, right? So mm -hmm. first question, and I may eliminate myself here. <laughs> oh, you'll be <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have any kind of pre-call, which is, which is the way I like to do it. But did you get into real estate investing with the idea that one day you're going to retire from your W-2? I eventually did. I mean, the yeah. first time that I bought, that I knew real estate was powerful was I, right out of college, I was about 23 years old, 
went to work for Bank of America and I went through their financial advisor training um, and I was a private banker for them. And so our job was to handle the wealth of the top 10 wealthiest client percent of the wealthiest clients in our company. Time out. And to, so right out of college, 23 years old, get a job. Hey, you're going to handle the top 10% wealthiest clients that we have. Is that that's work? right. I okay. was blessed. I don't know how I got that job, but I did. <laughs> and well, no, I just, you, uh, you apparently are extremely book smart, right? And street smart. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, I'm just thinking brand new out of college. I would want somebody who's got some sort of experience to do yes. that. But anyway, that's, that's fine. Yes. It, uh, I'm, it's a more of a punch at Bank of America. Yes. And, and quite frankly, I was, I was the youngest yeah. um, and I, I was pretty intimidated because a lot of these people, you know, they all had way more money than I did, yeah. but they didn't necessarily know about, you know, some alternative investments like um, infinite banking, life insurance policies and, yeah. you know, setting up um, trusts within our organization and stocks, bonds, mutual fund options, hedge funds, things like that. So as I was learning, it's kind of funny that you, you said that because I had several clients that were like, I make way more than that in my real estate investments. Like you're not teaching me anything, little girl, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, I realized that. They actually wow, referred to you as little girl. Well, they looked at me like that. Uh, I'm sure that's what they were yeah. thinking, but I don't think they actually said it. They were yeah. really nice. Um, <laughs> but I realized that real estate was powerful and that most of our really wealthy clients had a lot of real estate. And so I thought, you know, if real estate's making more returns than what my bank has taught me, I can get for these clients. I want to know more about it. And so it just was that little spark in my eye that, you know, I don't have to wait till I have a lot of money, but maybe I can start doing some small things to have some real estate. So I bought a condo instead of renting an apartment. And then our first house we bought in a kind of up and coming area that was regentrifying, thinking, oh, this house is gonna be worth so much more money soon because the numbers were going crazy. Um, and then I got into my first flip. So I dabbled in saying, I wanna own something, but not really with the purpose of getting out of my job. And Jay, that was until I had a baby. So yeah. we, you know, we talked about having kids and I was very driven, very, my my desire was to grow up the corporate ladder. Um, I worked for AIG, a very large company, yeah. um, international company, and I was moving up that corporate ladder, thinking this is my this is what I'm going to do. And the first time I held my little preemie baby in my arms, you know, he was sick, he was early, and all I wanted to do was be home with him. And I was yeah. like, I have to go back to work. And it broke my heart. I mean, like nothing else I had ever known. And from that moment on, I thought. I need to be home with my kids. Yeah. I need to do whatever I can to figure out how to be home with my kids. And at that point, it was just one. Now I have four. And yeah. it took me through four kids to get home where I'm really retired from a corporate career that I never have to go back to. So it was a long process, but that's what started my drive to figure something else out. Yeah. And that was in 2003 when I had my first son. Okay. And that's when all these flip this house shows started coming out. So yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow, it's so easy. People make 40, 50 grand a house. We'll just flip two houses and be home with my kids in no time. They're done. So, yeah. <laughs> it didn't work that way. You know, reality yeah. TV is not reality. And they cut yeah. out 90% of the, the information on what they really met. So I started out, you know, let's replace my income. And it has been, my son will be 16 
this year. So it was a 16 year process to truly get to the point where I could give up a six figure job that was the stability for my family to, you know, five years of aggressively pursuing rental real estate to replace my income. So you said AIG, which reminded me, I think I have a policy with them. (laughs) (laughs) I think I should know that, right? I should know. Well, so, um, that is incredible. I think if, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael uh, Zuber, but he did uh, he 15, uh, one rental at a time where he yes. had a similar 15 year experience, yeah. uh, which is amazing. Cause he's I, a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed talking with him and getting to know him. And, and um, so you just on, I want to unpack a lot of what you just said, but I'm mm-hmm. having trouble focusing on one important <laughs> aspect. <laughs> But so you've been investing for 15, by the way, congrats on the teenager. Are you nervous about the, uh, the whole driving thing or no? Very. Yeah. <laughs> He's a boy. Well, that's true. What's um, that mean, by the way? I know uh, insurance is higher because I remember that being the case when I was younger. But Yes. And, you know, I'm kind of in denial. I haven't even looked into my insurance policy yet. I'm just like, okay. Um, you know, he's a little more risk tolerant than his mother. Okay. And so (laughs) the fear of the the icy snowy roads in the winter with a 16 year old behind a vehicle is a little scary, but we'll get through it. (laughs) All right. I got you. Yeah. That's something, again, we don't have to deal with too much in Florida. Uh, (laughs) Ice is over in Florida, the whole state shut down. So exactly. Um, so you, you made a comment there where you spent five years, aggressively going after rentals. I think the phrase that you use, what does that mean exactly? So as everybody knows, back in 08, early 09, we had a financial crisis and AIG insured a lot of these companies that was going down. And they also had a very large pool of mortgage insurance backing these mortgages that failed. And so AIG, you know, had to take a $2 billion loan from the U S government to stay afloat and to cover all the insurance that they were out and I worked for them. B, right? BB, yes. And literally within a couple of days, my 401k stock went from $101 a share to 43 cents a share. Mm. Many departments were being um, slashed and it was, I don't think I've ever cried so hard. Like I thought I'm losing my job. I've lost most of my retirement. My husband had started a chiropractic business with about three quarters of a million dollars of debt yeah. a year and a half before. And my job was our only stability at that point because he was still growing. Um, and then after that, healthcare failed and people quit paying for insur- for chiropractic through their insurance. And it was right. just really, really difficult. And so that was in 08, 09. And I had been told, we're going to close our doors. I mean, our department, we thought our department was going to lay us all off. And we were all told kind of, you know, you might want to look for other jobs. We knew there could be a package, but I was really worried that I was going to lose my job and try to figure out what else can we do. And so we, we pulled half my 401k and bought a four unit because I thought at least that gives me a couple thousand, you know, maybe $1,200 a month to help us to cover our expenses. And we had already bought a four unit to live in about two years before because we sold our house in Texas, moved here, and knew it wasn't wise to buy a house when we were starting off with so much debt in business. So I had a four unit that we had lived in, raised values. We knew what it was like to be a landlord. I bought a second one. And then basically, 
I was tapped out financially. So the banks would not lend to me anymore because I worked for AIG and they knew my job was probably <laughs> unstable because they were in the news every day. Um, and I didn't have much of my retirement left because I took what I could to buy a building. And I kept trying to figure out how can I do more real estate without any money for a couple of years, helped my husband's business stay afloat, had a couple more kids. And five years ago, we, my division was finally going to be spun off and sold. And so I knew like I've lasted these few years by the grace of God, but I've only got probably a short time left to figure this out and to find some way that I can make a six figure income to support our family. And in rural Hershey, Pennsylvania, you're not making the same salaries that I was able to make from an international com company sure. that I used to work there and they let me work from home. So I just decided I'm I got to try to buy more rental property and figure this out and get more creative instead of relying on the banks. And so that was kind of my impetus five years ago to say, it's going to take me some time, but if I create a five-year plan, I can incrementally grow my portfolio so that even if I have to go work somewhere else and take a pay cut, I can be sustained by the rental income coming in. Right. So it was a, let's grow it to where I can have stability, we can meet our bills, we could cut expenses, but with a plan that within five years, I've completely replaced my income, and then I have the financial freedom to be home or retired, you know, yeah. at that point. And even though my kids are all in school now, being home is different, but they're all in sports every night, literally seven days a week, I'm running in the evenings. And so it's just that, you know, I wanted to be able to have that freedom that whatever I choose to do during the day, as an entrepreneur and in real estate, I can shut it down at four o'clock when they're home and just be wife and mom and yeah. what I need to be without, you know, having to start a second job through real estate in the evenings. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a buddy, uh, I think he's a buddy. I can't remember who this conversation was with, but it did <laughs> register with me. He said, uh, we were talking about this whole thing about eventually being to a point where you didn't have to have a W2. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, if I'm, if I'm completely honest with myself, I would love to, to say in five years where I'm done with the W2 job. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with a lady that works for me and you know, she's like, I just don't know how people don't have that structure of eight to five. And I said, yeah, I'm there too, but I'm trying to get out of it. You know, it's, it, there's a mindset for me, <laughs> but the, the conversation with, I'm going to call him my buddy. Cause I, I think he was, but anyway, um, I told him, he asked me, why do you want to do that? You know, what's the, what's the driving? I said, well, I want to spend more time with my kids. You know, I've got a young family. He mm -hmm. said, okay, he goes, well, let's just put this in perspective. He goes, you have a four-year-old, a two-year-old and um, the newborn, right? He said, in five years, the four-year-old is going to be nine. It's not going to have anything to do with you. And I was like, <laughs> Wait a minute. What? He and I are like best buds, you know, mm -hmm. but then it got me to thinking, maybe that's the case. And with you having older kids, I guess my question is, is that true? Like when, when kids get to a certain stage or they're like, okay, mom and dad are gross. They're old school. They have no idea what's going on. <laughs> they don't want to spend time. Is that, is that the case? About 13, they know it all. Okay. <laughs> and you don't, okay. you know, and they don't want to talk to you about like the opposite sex and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think having that time freedom where you really can spend a lot of time with them is key. Like, yeah. even though we're crazy busy in the evenings, we're with them 24 seven. So they're yeah. drug with us to apartment buildings. We're sitting in the stands, you know, waiting during practices. So 
we're just making sure that we had tons and tons of quantity time and as much of that with quality conversations to where they thankfully don't hate us and they do still ask us for some advice. Um, but you know, they're starting to become little people on their own. And so, um, yes, they, they start to want to kind of pull away and have some independence and, and those types of things. But, um, yeah. I love what you just said there. Quantity time with quality conversations. That's yes. awesome. Um, the, uh, so as far as bringing your kids to, um, look at deals or whatnot, how much are you doing that? How much, how exposed are they? Do they show interest in, in the deals that y'all are doing or what mom and dad does on the, from a real estate investing standpoint, or is it all, man, I don't want to go, you know, kind of thing or. Yes. It's kind of the latter. Um, okay. at, at least for the little ones, you know, when we started out because we didn't have money and we didn't have tons of time, but we had to start out, you know, the hard way and with sweat equity. And so we bought buildings that were distressed and yeah. we did a lot of rehab and I've painted so many, you know, units at 10 o'clock at night until midnight because we got somebody <laughs> coming the next day and yeah. they've slept on yucky floors with a sleeping yeah. bag. And I mean, you know, before they had all the tablets, they're like so bored and just begging to go home. So they grew up like Lowe's and other properties are their second home. Yeah. And so every time I go to buy a building, they're like, Oh mom, please. No. Yeah. But as I've, as I've, you know, progressed in my investing and now I'm really targeting much larger multifamily yeah. buildings with partners instead of just smaller stuff for my own portfolio. It's been nice to be able to say, listen, you're not going to have to go to these properties. We have an onsite property manager. We have onsite yeah. maintenance. This is just going to help us continue to grow well it's going to help you one day. And yeah. so now my 16 year old, almost 16 year old is very entrepreneurial. And he's seen that, you know what, mom, I don't know really what I want to do. Um, but I love the idea of passive income. I know it's hard. He helps us mow and does some things like that with properties, yeah. but he's yeah. like, I want to be a real estate investor. So now um, part of my impetus for retiring when I did and earlier is because he really wants us the next two years before he graduates to pour into him help him to get his own rental property to learn how to manage it soup to nuts and have that passive income coming in so that he can figure out as he gets older, if it's what he wants to do full time or just what he wants as a side hustle to give him the freedom to do yeah. what he wants, no matter how much money he's going to make. So it's, it's been nice to see that progression from, I want nothing to do with it from to mom, please teach me. I want to learn. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know your son, but uh, I'm, a big fan already, uh, which I know it is uh, a, a testament of how you guys have raised him. That's, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank hope, you. hope I'm able to do the same thing <laughs> right now at four and two, they seem like they're 15 and 13. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, think back when, when I was 16, I was worried about, okay, what kind of car am I going to drive? Is this going to be, is this going to impress the ladies, you know, or the, the girls? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I was not thinking about, Hey, I want to, uh, and my parents own, some rental property or not necessarily rental properties, but they own some land and some different things. And my mm -hmm. grandparents really had some rental properties that that's how, you know, where I first got exposed to it, never thought to tap into that resource because my mm -hmm. mind was just different, you know, right, right. Uh, now that I'm at 40, I feel like I, I feel like I have more clarity on what I want to be when I grow up. Right. <laughs> it takes had. us a while. <laughs> it does. It does. So that's, that's incredible if he's doing that at 16. Um, so 
you mentioned you're now focused on multifamilies and I saw the other day where you uh, closed on your first deal as a limited partner versus a general partner, right? Yes. So um, you mind if we dive into that a little bit? Like what does that deal look like? What does that mean as far as a limited partner? What's your responsibilities and that sort of thing? Sure. It's pretty easy. So where we were talking about, you know, very active work and sweat equity when you're getting started, um, at least if you don't have money to start out with, you've just got to put the time in. Most people, you either have time or you have money as an investor and you make decisions in the current state that you're in as to what properties you go after by basically what is your time, what is your money availability and what are your skills? What can you do and what are, your, what are you good at? And in the beginning, you know, we had zero money. We had negative couple hundred thousand dollars. So we had to put in tons and tons of sweat equity I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm telling, you know, people think, oh, you're going to retire. Well, you're retiring, but I worked 70 to 80 hours a week for the last 10 years to yeah. grow a business big enough to sustain a really nice six-figure income passively. And it was a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights, really early mornings, every lunch break, you know, just nose to the grindstone, buying properties, fixing them up, renting them out, dealing with problems over and over and over again. And while I'm so grateful that we did it and it, the, the five-year plan worked out. And, and if I never bought another building, we'd be financially comfortable and we'd never have to work again. And, and that's only because of the difficult nights and the difficult years of, of 70 to 80 hours a week. But now we're like, okay, we can't keep this pace anymore. So now that we're here, what's the next step as an investor and what type of investing works best for us where we are now financially and as a family and so buying the larger multifamily buildings, you know, I've been able to develop the skills of repositioning small multi-units in our own portfolio. And it's the same exact skills. You're just doing it across more units in one place. But the nice thing is you're able to leverage other people's money by pulling in other investors and other people's time by buying buildings big enough that you have on-site property managers and maintenance. So you become more of an asset manager um, an investment manager, if you will, looking over the, the operations and making sure everything's going. But you can do that from anywhere. You can do it while you're traveling. Like we're going to be traveling, you know, for the next three weeks cross country and I can do it nice. all on my laptop and my phone. So yeah. um, you just kind of shift gears into the type of investing that makes the best sense for you. That's going to fit with what your idea of your, your lifestyle is supposed to be rather than having to adjust your lifestyle to put in the sweat equity for the future. Now you can say what fits with what I'm doing now and, and where I want to be. And yeah. so the multifamily was that first progression. And then now that we've, you know, I've retired from my W2, I've got quite a bit of um, retirement funds. I got a pension because I truly did retire at 44 and I was That's surprised awesome. they let me take it, but they yeah. did. Yeah. And um, also my 401k that finally grew back up and, you know, developed into something. So because I have those retirement funds, I said, you know, I can self-direct those funds instead of having to invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which I started off selling. And now I'm like, I wouldn't invest with them. I wouldn't invest in stocks, bonds, <laughs> and mutual funds. Um, it's not right now. So now I'm like all, right. all in real estate. Um, but I'm able to self-direct my retirement funds by investing in other things. And so I've chosen to invest in um, another big apartment complex with an operator that I trust. And so now I'm the one that was able to write a check for my IRA to say, here's my money. I trust your operation. I trust you 
and the building um, and make a return for me. And then that money goes right back into my 401k. And I really have no, um, nothing that I have to contribute other than money. Now I can, you know, when I get reports and I get money, I'll, I'll want to know how's the operation doing, sure. but I have no management oversight, no daily involvement at all. It's a completely passive investment, just like if you were to invest in your 401k. Yeah. I, I've done some self-directed RA stuff as well. And what I've found out, and this is me personally, and this is a shortcoming on my side, um, is that I'll look at that as like it's play money. Mm. because it's it's just sitting out there i really can't do anything with it right so on a self-directed ra every transaction that comes and goes has to go through that self-directed r or through the ra yes it has to stay there until you reach retirement age which is 59 and a half right, right still so i my shortcoming is i don't look at those properties we have in that self-directed ra as um real money and i know that's <laughs> bad yeah. Uh, the other thing is they, they actually cash flow really well. So there's not a whole lot for me to have to worry about, but right. I, I've just recognized I take my finger off the pulse and, and just don't. And it's, I want to ask you if you feel the same way and you're probably going to say no. <laughs> well, I, I think that there's some, some good to that. Actually, I think you have okay. to kind of have a balance. So when you're dealing with retirement funds, it's just like, you know, when people invest in a mutual fund in their 401k, and as soon as the market starts to tank, they freak and they transfer it. And they basically yeah. realize those losses because they're afraid, afraid of the short term, what's happening instead of viewing it as this is a long term retirement account. There's going to be ups and downs. If you ride it out, typically the values bounce back up if you're diversified enough and, and you're supposed to kind of put it in and don't touch it and don't right. think too much about it other than an occasional checkup with your advisor or just you know, annually looking at your 401k and saying, how did this fund do over the last year, five years? Do I want to start moving some things? But you can't really look at it as active money. So like you said, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, because it's kind of supposed to be, you know? Okay. So I'd say it, it's okay that you're like, I can't touch this. This is growing. Let it keep growing. But I'd at least do an annual checkup to say, you know, how is this property doing? How is, how am I getting the returns that they've promised me? If you're getting the returns that they promised me and you're touching base with the operator once a year and saying, Hey, is there anything coming up that you can foresee that might impact our returns or are things going smoothly? I think that's probably sufficient once you've already decided to invest. I think investing in the right asset and the right operator and the right um, investment upfront is where you really do the major due diligence. And then it's just kind of a, annual touch point to see how you're doing. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel better. I don't know. if <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but it does make me feel better. Hey, I want to circle back to something because I meant to ask this. Uh, I wrote this down when you were uh, talking about your 401k uh, from AIG and it went down to um, literally 43 pennies. cents. Yes. Pennies on the hundreds of dollars that were in there. Mm -hmm. Was that ever recouped? Like, did they go back and say, uh, with that $2 billion loan, did they recoup some of that or is it just like, it's just lost and it's gone? Well, okay. So the loan was a separate issue. So AIG yeah. actually was a, a solid, strong company. I mean, they had over a trillion dollars in assets, but the issue is that their assets were not liquid. So it's right. not easy to just quickly sell a building or sell a business or sell airplanes. So they had lots of, you know, very expensive airplanes, for example, 
And so they, the government knew AIG has the financial strength to, to be stable and survive. But because of the, the laws on how quickly they have to pay out for some of these investments that they had on different types of insurance um, and something called credit default swaps, which is basically insurance on other companies that they're not going to go down. They had to pay out within so many hours. I think it was like 72 hours, um, if I remember correctly, in order for their financial rating not to go down. And if their financial rating went down, then their stock would plummet and it could be disastrous for the company. So the loan AIG paid back. They were able to sell some businesses, restructure, sell the airplanes and things like that. So they paid that back to the government. And once that happened, the government kind of took their hands off from certain levels of oversight and audit while they had that big loan and their stock eventually started to, to rise again. And so if you had kept that stock, you know, at 43 cents, it eventually would have gone back, you know, up high, kind of back to what we talked about when people panic and they sell it at 43 mm -hmm. cents, yeah. they've realized a true hundred dollar a share loss because awesome. they decided to sell where if yeah. they had kept that stock, they would have, it would have gone down and it would have gone right back up just like real estate. So or bought more, right? Or bought more. <laughs> you know, I, I told one of my cousins, I was like, you know, and, and they were with us and while we were real upset and trying to figure out what we we're going to do, I said, the stock is 43 cents. I said, if I had money and I wasn't fully dependent on AIG for my livelihood, I'd buy it now, you know, yeah. not because I know anything, but because I know that what goes down has to come back when it's still a strong company. And he tells me all the time, oh, I wish I would have listened to you and bought it at 43 cents. <laughs> so I wish I had, would have had money to buy it at 43 cents, but yeah, um, yeah, so I have a very similar story. Uh, so a company I worked for um, was a subsidiary of HealthSouth. Mm -hmm. And uh, HealthSouth ran into some financial trouble where they eventually had to file um, financial bankruptcy. Um, and their stock went down to, I think it was eight cents. Wow. And I said, and my brother and best friend of mine, we all work for the same company. And um, I said, guys, it's eight cents. Let's pull our money together. Let's just buy a thousand dollars because we're, you know, this is all our first jobs for us, right? <laughs> right out of college. And we're like, okay, is this how corporate America works? But, um, but I was like, guys, let's pull together a thousand bucks and just buy it. Right. And they're like, no, you know, it's cause then a thousand bucks is big money. Yes. Uh, they said, no, uh, I didn't do, I'm still on Raymond noodle diet. Right. I'm still trying, to, <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, I've got all this school debt. I just started a job. It's not paying anything. Um, I still like to go out and have a good time. So I had no savings. Yeah. Um, anyway, six months, long story short, six months later, the stock uh, uh, is up to like $8 and something. Mm. I, I, I told you so. But anyway, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. when you took you, you earlier, you said in the AIG situation, you took your 401k to buy your first fourplex or your second fourplex. Mm -hmm. Um, was that a loan against that 401k or did you cash that out and take the tax, uh, tax hit from that? No, I did take a loan. I okay. took, I think it was like a $50,000 loan. I think that was the max I could take. And I used that as the down payment. So when you borrow from a 401k, which by the way, advisors will say not to do, but advisors aren't looking at alternative investments like yeah. real estate. Um, you basically are paying yourself back the interest. So it's, it's forcing more retirement funds to go back in with the interest that you're making. 
So you're really not paying any interest to anybody but yourself. And nice. so I knew that I'm either going to make nothing while this market is tanked and I might even lose what's left of it. So it was right. more to protect the difference and then to say, okay, what can I use it with instead of taking the tax hit? So I just decided to buy, you know, take a loan and to buy a four unit building with it. And even, you know, I think my loan and payment on 50,000 was like $212 a month, something like that. Awesome. And I was able to make like 15 to $1,600 a month on that four unit building on that $200 a month payment. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, I've got to do something with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't done that. Yet. I've got a self-directed RA, uh, which again, you know, I'm treating like play money, but um, 401k, I've got to tap into that because I hate dealing with banks and finding, you know, going through the process to buy a new property. So that's um, something I've got to tap into. You also mentioned uh, credit default swaps, which for me, I was introduced at, through the movie, The Big Short. I think. Okay. Uh, so just curious if you watched, have you, you've seen that movie? I'm sure. I haven't. You have not seen The Big Short. No. You've got to watch it. It may okay. bring back horrible nightmares for you if you, oh. if you live through that, <laughs> but it's all about credit default swaps and how, uh, these few guys, and I forget the main character's name. Uh, it's not really a character. It's based on a true story, how he predicted it and um, actually made a ton of money. Off wow. Of wow. He started buying up all credit default swaps. Right. Wow. And all the banks were like, hell yeah, I'll sell you $200 million worth of credit default swaps. Just give me your money. You know, so the big short, um, uh, it's a great movie. So, I'm going to watch it. So yeah. cool. Thanks. Um, so now that you've transitioned into um, no W-2 job, right? Again, back to the conversation I had with a coworker of mine. How do you make that shift? How do you make that mindset change? What have you found that's really different from not having a, you're going from being a mom, being a, excuse, let me, let me get the order in the way I would say being a wife, <laughs> being a mom, being a W-2 employee and being an investor, right? So you've got these four things that are consuming your time. Mm -hmm. Take out that W-2, which is probably a big chunk of your time, right? Yes. How are you adjusting? What have you found that, that surprisingly that you didn't expect to happen out of that? Well, I think two questions. So one's the adjustment and one's kind of the surprise. Um, okay. The adjustment has been that I've actually been able to take some vacation time. So you know, before I had six weeks of vacation and we would usually spend about a week and a half of that on really going on vacation, running to the beach or going to Texas to visit my family. And the other days I took in order to do real estate. Yeah. So because my husband couldn't shut down his practice more than a week and a half at a time right. and my kids were still in sports and so they couldn't really take off. So I had to use vacation time to handle tenant emergencies and and loan closings and full day inspections and things like that. Um, so I was able to really take some vacation. So I retired, I went to a real estate investing seminar that I spoke at and then my parents uh, came up for two weeks and we were able to go to New York and Niagara and the beach. And then I came back for a week and it was 12 to 16 hour days for that week that I was working <laughs> yeah. because after I retired, I bought two more multifamily buildings nice. <laughs> in a row. So I had, you know, 40 plus new tenants and some mechanical stuff happened right away. So it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm on vacation and here's all this stuff happening. But I was able to kind of have some flexibility where 
I'm traveling, but I've got systems and people in place that can take care of the stuff while I'm away, still working the crazy hours during the work week. But then the next week I took another week vacation and went to the beach. And so yeah. this week I've been working 12 to 16 hour days again, and then I'm going cross country for three weeks. So That's awesome. the exciting part is I have control of my time. It doesn't mean that I'm necessarily working less on the days that I'm working, but um, it, I just keep asking myself, how in the world did I do this while I was working? Like yeah. I could not have done this. And so being able to just have that time freedom doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, retired and sitting on the beach eating bonbons all summer but it means that I can control what do I want to do with my time and so when you talked about having that mindset of you know that I like structure and I like the nine to five and and having a job once you have that financial independence you know that real estate and that extra passive income brings you it doesn't mean that you aren't going to work. It means that you get to decide what is the job and the work that you love to do yeah. that inspires you, that makes it exciting to, to work each day. And for me, not only did I do real estate because it was going to get me home, but I'm passionate about it. I love it. It excites me. And so, yeah. you know, this week, my oldest kids are away at camp and my youngest kids were swimming and doing some different things. And I had several business things I had to take care of. So when they're back in school, I'm still going to work every single day till they get home from school, but I'm working on what I'm passionate about and I have control of my time. And if I need to take three hours off because I want to go to lunch and go look at a property, I don't have to call my boss and say, man, I got to fix this <laughs> and then I got to work late and make up the hours. So it's just having that freedom to do what you love and the flexibility to be able to drop things because there's something else that you want to do that you don't have to ask for permission for. Yeah, that's, I love how you phrase that. It's, it's control of your time, not necessarily freedom. Well, let me back up. It's control of your time. Um, I'm not even gonna try to paraphrase it. You did a good, right, good job. <laughs> thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks. But you know, it's great because if there's a day that you don't want to work, yeah. You don't have to work, you know, to some extent. I mean, if you have the systems and people in place to take over things, you, you really can decide what you do and when you do it. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of, you know, financial freedom um, that's maybe different from what people think of when they say, oh, I'm retired. Right, right. Yeah. The, again, I had the same conversation with a lady that works with me um, is being debt free is not the same as financial free. And she right. Goes, what does that mean? And I was like, yes. oh, here's a really good opportunity for me to broaden your horizon. And I did yes. a horrible job of explaining it to her. I've got to circle back up with her. And oh, no problem. <laughs> but you asked me one other thing about what surprised me. Yeah. You know, and I know that you kind of focus on, you know, doing real estate on the side, but continuing to have that, that W-2. And the thing that was a little scary for me, quite frankly, was even though I had, I had built a multi-million dollar rental portfolio, high, nice six figures passively. I always viewed myself as an investor who I made wise investments that allowed me to finally get to the point that I could retire from the day job and control my time and spend more time with my kids. But I did not view myself as an entrepreneur because oh, wow. even though okay. I had helped my husband with his business on the operation side and I had run my apartment operations it was me and my husband, and then we subcontracted out the people that we needed to help us. So making that shift to now I'm growing a larger multifamily um, investment business, and we're, we're buying larger apartment buildings, and we're bringing in other investors. I really have to shift from the employee mindset and the investor mindset 
to now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm building a business. And how do I do that wisely and make the best use of my time, but also not get myself pulled back into 80 hours a week again because I I don't want to get rid of one business to start, you know, sacrificing all the time that I had to, to get to this point by building something else. And so I have, I've had this kind of internal turmoil that I never had before to say, one, can I really do this? Two, what level of sacrifice do I give and it not impact my family? Yeah. Three, um, what can I, how do I structure it in such a way that I I truly have work-life balance and grow slowly and methodically, you know, for the long term instead of just like running and jumping right back into something else because I'm used to working, you know, so much. So that's been a little surprising and, and, and a challenge that I'm still working through, you know, what's the best way to approach it. Do does your uh, do you and your husband kind of rely on one another to say, okay, pull me back in. This is why we're doing this, you know, because let me rephrase that. So um, yesterday we've got some family in town and I didn't take off um, work just because I, I started the new job and, and whatnot. But being 15 minutes from the beach, we have, it's very easy for us to just take off for an afternoon and go spend a couple of hours, which we did yesterday, yesterday after like five 30, we went and ate supper. Then we went to the beach, um, which I normally wouldn't do. Certainly wouldn't do if my wife didn't pull me along and say, okay, you need a break. You need to right. come out with us. She's very good about doing that. She probably needs to do it more. Or I probably need to let her do it more because when I got home last night, I was like, I felt like a tourist for two hours and it felt amazing. You know, it's yeah. like a little mini vacation in the afternoon, but if it wouldn't have been for her doing that and kind of, Hey, come meet us. We're going to do this. Um, and yes, she talks to me like that sometimes cause she needs to, uh, is, uh, I, I would have came home, went and sat in the recliner and vegged out, you know, like I normally do because my days typically start like four 30 in the morning. So, um, so back to my question, do you and your husband kind of have these, do y'all know each other well enough? Say, okay, uh, Anna, you've, you've got to start taking some time, right? Or do you do the same with him? Say, Hey, look, you've got to take some time. You know, you, you're, you're down in the weeds. Uh, we miss you, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is, do y'all rely on each other for that? Or is that one of those things y'all are still trying to figure out? Oh, I think with anything in marriage, we're still figuring it out. Like we've been married <laughs> almost 20 years. Very and fair some, point. Very yeah. fair point. <laughs> and sometimes we're like, okay, things are smooth. We get it. We get each other. And then one of us will be super stressed. And the other one at that point is just like, you're doing it to yourself. It's time to come to bed. <laughs> so you can kind of, we don't always have the nice calm, like, oh, you just need to take a little break. It's more like, okay. We don't either. But, you know, know, we we definitely, it's a team effort. You know, my husband's a chiropractor. And so three days a week, he has his business open. And two days a week, he handles the the 70 units that we have in our own portfolio that we self-manage. Any maintenance issues that come up. So he's really busy, too, um, with, you know, with that. And then I'm really the one that's, like, driving the multifamily, building the business. It's just kind of more my forte and what I enjoy where he doesn't enjoy that side of it. Yeah. So depending on the season and what we're going after, what properties at that time, we have, you know, ebbs and flows and, you know, really crazy times and then a little less crazy. Um, so we're trying to make ourselves start to take some downtime and, and take some vacation and just, you know, turn it off. 
Yeah, I definitely uh, recommend that as much as possible. But when you're driven like two driven individuals like you, and it sounds like your husband is the same way, it's kind of hard to do. But it's yeah. it's definitely worth it when you can, even if it's an hour or two in the afternoon, right? Right, right. Because um, let's face it, shuffling, shuttling kids around to all these different events, it's it's a it's a job. It, it yes. really is. We're not even there yet, but it, I see <laughs> it coming, and I'm like, man, how are we going to do this? We're going to. I know. Oh man, we're going to be. You just so figure it out, fast, but it's so hard. Fast food, yeah. You just figure <laughs> it out, right? Um, we're coming up on time, but I want to make sure we have a couple, uh, several minutes to talk about uh, something. Your your talk. Um, we started the conversation out with where you want to empower women to be mm-hmm. more. Uh, focused on real estate investing. And quite frankly, I was sitting here thinking about um, when I go to my, now I'm a passive supporter of our local meetup here. I go like once a year. Uh, but I love, I love Matt and what he's doing and, and what he's been able to do for this area. Uh, but when I go there, it's typically 80, 20 men to women, 90, 10, whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you're focused on uh, helping women see that they can do it too. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. I'm going to have to rely on you cause I don't have a whole lot of expertise in that area, but <laughs> how, how, are, what are some of the things you're doing to try to help women understand that? And, and, um, not only to invest in real estate, but be very successful at their W2 job. Right. seems like you, um, at a very early age started climbing the corporate ladder mm-hmm. uh, in your W2, but also have made a jump now to an entrepreneur. Uh, entrepreneur. Yeah. So the floor is yours, I guess. <laughs> I don't sure. know what to ask you. I don't have a lot. No problem. You know, I, I grew up, my, my parents were divorced when I was really young. And so my mom was basically a single mom or two okay. jobs to take care of us. And I'm the oldest of, of several children and really always kind of had to take on a leadership role. But, you know, without getting, you know, into the weeds, my mom's, you know, my mom always kind of depend, depended on the wrong man to take care of us. And when things didn't go well, she was forced to work two jobs just to make ends meet. And so I knew from a very young age that I needed to be wise in my selection of spouse, number one, but also independent enough that no matter what happened, no matter what unforeseen thing happened in a relationship or a marriage, death, whatever it may be, that I would be able to take care of myself financially. Um, and so I was always very driven to figure out finances and figure out how to budget and how to save and how to make sure that I'd be okay financially, no matter what happened. And the same with my kids. And so I started educating myself on finances and investments and things that they don't teach you in high school. And quite frankly, even with a business degree, they didn't teach us in college. Right. And so um, it's just so important. I, I grew up very, very poor. I've done a lot of work with inner city kids. And if I didn't have people showing me that there's a better way and a way to have financial independence, no matter what situation you find yourself in, whether you're in inner city, whether you've got a support system, you really can get yourself out of any situation and create financial stability for yourself. And then as you go, create financial wealth for yourself. It's just a matter of taking the time to get educated about money educated about different investment options, and then actually having the confidence to take action. And I think where where with men in the business world, um, men just typically have more opportunities just because they're men and they have the perception of being leaders. 
to learn about finance and business and be given those opportunities for, for growth and management exposure. A lot of times women just have to take it upon ourselves to, to assert ourselves to say, I, I'm, I can be a good leader too, and I can handle money well too. And just because I'm the woman doesn't mean that I can't invest and I can't run a business or I can't, you know, grow an investment portfolio. Right. And so for, for a lot of times for women, because there aren't that many women going out and doing that, you feel alone or you feel like, you know, you'll never get the opportunities or it's going to take longer. Um, and I think there's a, a slightly different pool and this isn't to, to sound sexist or like every male's the same and every female's the same, but generally men don't have, men have that, that sense of identity that they find in what they do as business mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. a lot of times women, once you have kids, your primary identity is I want to be a good mom and I want to yeah. be a good wife. And so we struggle with how can we be all that we aspire to be um, in terms of, of business and, and our, our job or our investing and also still be a great wife and a great mom. And so the pool is just different because our hearts tend to be with the kids yep. where our minds are like, I've got to do what I got to do to get there. Where I think a lot of men that I know, they love their families and they sure. love their, oh, yeah. but their sense of identity is what they're doing in work. And so it's just different. And so it's important for us as women to be able to surround ourselves with other women who understand that heart pool and that mother's guilt that you experience when you're out trying to, you know, make money and do something away from your kids um, and just be a good support system. So I really have a heart for helping women, um, no matter where they are in life, to become financially wise, financially independent, and to not have that guilt that they can't be perfect at everything. You can't be the perfect wife, the perfect mom, the perfect employee, the perfect investor, the perfect business partner, the perfect friend you're just going to have to lose that sense of needing to be perfect and get yeah. it all right. And then just do the best you can. Um, but to find your identity, not just in um, one thing or the other, but to realize that, that it's smart and wise to be able to um, understand and know your finances and get yourself in a better position and helps you then to become a better wife and mom because you feel fulfilled and you feel that you've, provided a way to protect your family and to provide for your family alongside your husband, you know? Yeah. So it's just really important for me to empower other women to, to realize that and to have a, a sounding board and a support system they can talk through those things with, because our struggles as women are just slightly different than, than struggles that a lot of men have. The way we handle it and think through it and feel about it is, is different. And, you know, I think a lot of men have, have, lots of challenges to get to where they're, they need to be as a level of success too. It's just women's challenges are, are a little bit different. And sometimes depending on the corporate world that you're in, it may be harder to push through that ceiling because you are a woman where when you're a, an entrepreneur, you're doing real estate, um, you can kind of go it alone and still do really well and not have, have as, you know, quite a high of a glass ceiling that you have to push through. Um, but you're still dealing with, some great men in the industry and you're still, still dealing with a lot of male chauvinists in the industry that right. don't want to help you. Yeah. So um, I started a, a women's real estate group called REI like a girl in central Pennsylvania where we meet and we talk about all things, real estate investing, anything from wholesaling to flipping apartments, um, notes, 
private lending, anything, just talking about finances and, and investments and how to do it and just supporting one another. What contractors not to use, what contractors to use kind of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there are, I mean, I had this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago where, um, uh, as a lady in my mastermind, she, she thought that her contractor was treating her different because she was a woman. He was talking to her different or she at least felt that way. I was like, find you a new contractor, find somebody who's not going to do that. Right. And you deserve right. that. You're, you're highly educated. Uh, you're, you've had your success because of your efforts, you know, and, and he shouldn't treat you like that. And she was like, okay, I really did. I thought I'd have to battle him and make him convince him. I said, well, you can, you can go hire somebody else and pay somebody else is going to treat you like you want to be treated. Right. You don't exactly. This guy. But I, I've never read the book, uh, Men Are For Mars, Women Are For Venus, but I think you just summarized it. Uh, you know, how, they're, how we are different. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and I, I understand that from a male point of view, <laughs> if that yes. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to uh, – and uh, I agree with everything you said. I, I think there's, there's things on the men's side that um, we struggle with that, that uh, or we're faced with, the challenges that we're faced with that y'all don't. But, again, I think it's because – Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yes. <laughs> we all landed on Earth. And, and uh, you know, but speaking of books, you've got something going on, and I'm going to let you, uh, I want you to talk about that because I just, uh, I was doing my due diligence this morning and I ran across it and I didn't really understand. So let's talk about the book you're involved in real quick. Sure. So I was very blessed to be a co author in a book. Um, published by Kyle Wilson, who published The Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneurial Soul, okay. which is a really good one as well. And basically, it's a compilation of stories of um, people that have faced obstacles. And it's called Resilience, Turning Your Setback into a Comeback. And uh, I was able to, to be a co-author in that book and share my story really you know, far back into the many different setbacks that I've had. Um, and, and how I was able to just use resilience to push through and, and to succeed, you know, at, at the multifamily business and finally be able to be home with my kids. And there's just so many great stories of people that, um, you know, in, in their lives and whatever it may be that they were going after had some major hurdles as, as we all do and how they were able to just muster up the strength to keep going and eventually come out on the other side, stronger, better people. Um, there are several um, well-known names of people that you would know, some Emmy winners, some NFL players, and, you know, then, then some people like me that are, you know, investors and entrepreneurs. But it's, it's a book that I really believe in. And I think if you're going through any kind of hurdles or, you know, challenges in your balancing being a W-2 employee and, and trying to go after, you know, something else on the side, real estate or, or even family challenges, just a book that is, is really encouraging and inspiring to see that other people have gone through such difficult things um, and the power of the human spirit to just persevere is really what leads ultimately to success and to um, contentment. And it's becoming the better person through your challenges and your obstacles. Um, so I highly encourage any of you that are interested in that book. It's available on Amazon. Okay. And again, it's resilience turning your setbacks into a comeback. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And I'm actually going to add it to my reading list. Awesome. It sounds pretty awesome. pretty awesome. Because um, regardless, like you just said, regardless of what you're going through, there's always going to be something that comes up as a setback, right? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, and you're being perfect, I want to touch on this from earlier. 
uh, you're not pushing yourself hard enough, right? I love the um, uh, quote, progress is greater than perfection, because yeah. if you're being perfect all the time, you've got room, you've got bandwidth to do something more, right? right. Just go out and fail. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, and I've enjoyed our time together. I, I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you, especially the ladies who are interested in doing more real estate investing. But so what is the best way for them to, for all of us to get in touch with you? Great. So I have a website, which is reimom.com. That's for real estate investor mom. And I also have a Facebook page, which is Anna REI mom Kelly and a Facebook group helping other people to create wealth that lasts, which is called creating wealth that lasts with Anna REI mom. Okay. And I'll make links to all those in the show notes as well. So uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope we can touch base again very soon because there's, I, I just scratched through, I mean, we've been talking for an hour now and I just scratched through like four or five questions that I was not able to get to, but I want to be respectful of your time. I also have to get to work. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure and I'd love to do it again anytime Absolutely. that you like. Awesome. Uh, I'd love to do it again. We'll figure out a time to do that. And uh, I'm going to hopefully uh, a birth of another child will not affect either one of our schedules. <laughs> yeah. down I hope um, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> me either. I'm telling you. We're, you know, it was funny that uh, we were, we were coming home. I think it was on the way home. My wife said something about on the way from home. Let me clarify. We were on the way home from the hospital with number three. She said something like, man, I really want another one. And I'm like, you are nuts. That's, that's the hormones talking or something's that's going so on. Funny. It, was, it was either on the way home or like the week after she made that comment. She goes, I don't think we're done yet. And I was oh. like, no, I think we are. <laughs> we've got to get used to this one first. And I was like, oh, I'll be the grand dude. Cause you know, I, 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 you know, um, we started a little bit later in, in, in life with this process and, but I don't want to be the, the, the granddad pushing a, you know, wheelchair into the <laughs> school graduation for my kids, you know, <laughs> you know what though? It will keep you young. They, they keep you young. I, and I hear that. I, I, I hear that. I don't feel that all the time, but I hear that. So yeah. <laughs> Well, Anna, thank you very much again. I will, um, I will touch base with you soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. -bye.